Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Anybody excited about the Word of God? Yeah, I just need two of you and we can keep going. Let's get, let's get comfortable, all right? Let's, let's make, roll up your sleeves, get comfortable. Thank you, bro. If you're wearing a tie, you're making me uncomfortable. Would you just at least loosen the top button? I want to make sure all the blood flow gets to the brain. I don't want no excuses for you not having any revelation this, this morning. Amen? All right. All right. Father, I thank you for each and every one here today. I thank you, God, that your spirit is already here, that your presence is already here. I thank you that your word is already anointed, and I thank you that your anointing breaks the yoke. So, God, just help us to get out of your way from speaking and hearing that 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 anointing would break the yoke in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Well, all right, if you're just joining us, leading up to Easter, we started a journey through the book of John. In a series titled, Walk It Out, Walk It Out, Walk It Out. Amen. So we've done an intro to the book and we have got done with chapter 1 when Easter came. And I believe one of the reasons Easter was so successful is because we're learning how to walk it out. We're learning how to be the light. We're learning how to, how to be able to walk out our faith. Amen. Anybody with me? We're learning how to be the voice of one calling in the desert, preparing the way for the Lord. Amen? Two of you, praise God. I'm also not naive, and I know that Easter was successful because Easter is the most attended church day of the year. Second only to Mother's Day and Christmas. And so if you're here today, it's the week after Easter, and it's three weeks before Mother's Day, So either you got your calendar really messed up or you are on a search for something more. Amen? You are ready for change. Amen? And so I congratulate you and I welcome you with all of my heart. I'd like to get started with a quote. Here's our quote for this morning. Unless you are prepared to give up something, you will never be able to truly change because you'll be forever in the control of the thing you can't give up. Did anyone come expecting to trade some bondage for freedom today? Would you tell somebody there's something more? See, we can have a good worship time, but there's something more. Would you you just say that with me? There is something more. See, what you thought was fun ended up with you being bound and addicted to something, but there's something more. What you thought was breaking free from authority, getting out from under God, was really just getting under another God. But there's something more. Amen? What you thought was growing up was really selfish immaturity. But there's something more. Even what you thought was good in your life, those things that you've been able to store up, the wealth, the things that you managed to get your hands on, let me tell you today, there is something more. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 2 as I share a message titled, 
There's something more. John chapter 2. If you don't have it, just fake it. Make believe you're looking through something and then look back up like you got it. I won't know. Let's read the first part there. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana. You need to hear the story so we know what we're going to be talking about, all right? So let's just get through the story real quick. Check this out. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Side note, those that follow Christ shall feast with him. Come on, that's much better than that, amen. Those that follow Christ will also feast with him. It says, Christ was at the wedding and all his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. See, John is telling us a Jesus story here. He's telling us the story of Jesus through his eyes. And and here Jesus is about to start his public ministry. And we find him at a wedding. He's at a wedding feast. And, and this is the first of many stories suggesting that Jesus was always welcomed among those having a good time. Isn't that a little different today? Jesus is always welcomed among those having a good time. Listen to this quote. Marriage is ever honorable in itself, but it is not at all times used honorably. Where Jesus is not invited to bless the union, no good can be expected. And where the disciples of sin and Satan are preferred to the disciples of Christ, on such occasions it is an intimation that so bad a beginning will have a bad ending. I like to put it this way, your guest list will determine your stress list. That's good. Come on. Those of you planning weddings, your guest list will determine your stress list. See, Jesus didn't spoil the good time. I, I like to say it this way, if Christ can't come to the party, then the Christians shouldn't be there either. Am I, am I speaking to anybody today? If, Christ, if the party is secret, if Christ can't come, then you shouldn't be there either. No business being there, Amen. Verse 3, let's, let's, let's finish the story real quick. So here's what happens. They're at a wedding and it says, verse 3, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. Another translation says, What has that to do with you and me? His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. They were each held from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. 
But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his glorious signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. And that's the story. So what just happened here? Mary comes to Jesus and says, there's no wine. Jesus says, what that got to do with me? Right? What's that got to do with me? My time has not come. And she says to the servants, do whatever he says to do. He tells them, fill the pots. They serve it to the master that they do. And the, and the master says, this is the best wine I've ever had. Two things we need to consider here in, in, in looking at this story. We need to, to understand two things here. First of all, running out of wine at a wedding in that time was a really, really big deal. It was probably a big deal in some of your weddings too. Right? Your crazy uncles and aunts, they'd be flipping. The, the, bar, the bar closed or whatever. But anyway, that's a whole other story. In, in that time, running out of wine was a big social faux pas. It was bad. It would be an ultimate disgrace. The people would be gasbochinchando left and right about this couple for the rest of their lives. They would be totally humiliated. Also, wine, wine was a rabbinical symbol of joy. And so not having any left would be like there is no joy in this marriage. It would be like symbolic, like this is doomed. You, you understand? So either way, no matter how, how this is going to end up, it's going to end up bad for this couple. You understand? Secondly, you need to understand this. Whenever Jesus says something, whether he's telling a story, a parable, or just dealing with somebody's life, listen, whenever he says something, his words are always not only speaking to the situation at the moment, but almost always they're painting a picture of what's to come. I mean, you know, when Jesus was a deep brother, he was the word. You, you get that? So he was the word. He, he didn't know the word. He didn't have the word in his heart. He was the word. So everything he said was deep. You, you understand? So, so when he asked you, like, are you thirsty? That, that could be six different levels deep. You, you understand? And, 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 and we could say, yeah, my lips are dry. I am thirsty. And he could be addressing that. Or we could say, you know what? This thing's missing in my life. I am thirsty. And he could be addressing that. Or there could be generational things in your life passed down. And you could be, yeah, you know what? I am thirsty. And, and you, you understand it's six levels deep with, with Jesus. He, he, he was deep. And so he was almost always painting a picture. So see, there's something there for you now. But then there's always something more. And so we need to see that about the Word of God as we, as we study my daughter gave me the perfect illustration for this. I asked her permission if I could share. It was the week before Easter, last, last weekend. And we were at the mall. We were shopping for Easter clothes. How many were there? At the Palisades. I saw a couple of you. Right? And so we were shopping for Easter clothes. And, you know, like, like a typical Hispanic family will go the day before to, so that everybody can buy outfits or everybody can buy a shirt or buy a pair of pants or whatever it is, right, for Easter. And so we were shopping, me and all my girls. And so, it, it, you know, we're going through the whole mall. We're going through the whole mall. They, they have this one store that they love. And they know that at this one store, they will find what they need, right? Everybody has one of those? All the women say amen, right? And so, and, and so the, all right. So anyway, they, they went to the one store. 
And so this store is not man-friendly at all. They don't have any seats, any couches. I just got to lean on stuff. And, and people are always asking me to move. And people are always asking me, sir, you can't sit there. Sir, you can't. I'm like, oh, I hate this place with a passion. You know, the good stores, they have the sofas for the men. So you could just sit down and like fall asleep. And don't matter. You're good. At least if I can sit down and play with my phone or something. But no. So I, I stood in this store what seemed like 16 hours, but obviously maybe it was an hour. And they ran through the store like mole rats, just everywhere, pow, pow, everywhere, clothes flying everywhere, right? You know, and, and, and of course, you know, when they pick stuff, they come to me, I, I'm the hanger, and so I'm holding, and so I'm holding hangers, and I, I got things draped over my shoulders, and I'm, I'm, I'm just this big walking, you know, thing full of clothes all over the place. And then, when, you know, when, then it, it wished that it would be time to go pay and be out, but it's not. Now it's try on time. So, so now you can only take six items at a time into the thing. And so, so now they got to pick six items off of me so that they can go try this on. And, and needless to say, it was a long time we were in the store, okay? Tried it on, long time. They bought what they had to buy, okay. So they bought some things there, but they didn't find the outfit for Easter. You, you understand? You know what I'm talking about, right? Us guys, we don't care. We get a good shirt, we're out. We're done. Good shirt, pair of jeans, we're good. Finished. But no. So, now we, we go through the rest of the mall. So we go through all 59 stores in the mall. And at this point, we're still, you know, we ate somewhere in between there. And at this point, it's getting late. I, I'm, I'm exhausted already. I'm done going through every store. I'm done carrying all the bags that are shopping bags are breaking. And you got to hold them up. And I'm done going through all this madness, you know. And, and I'm done. And so she says, you know what? I didn't find what I was looking for, but let me go back to that store. The favorite store. To which my response is, sweetheart, we spent like an hour and a half in that store. You, you, we did that store. Why, why would we go back to that store, right? She said this to me, dad, the first time through, you get the obvious things. You get the things that stand out. You, you pick up those things. But now when I go through, I already know where things are. And so I can focus and find what I missed the first time around. She said to me, you can always find something more. Now needless to say, God wasn't giving me any kind of revelations in that mall. But, but thankfully, the week after, I, I, I could get to appreciate it. And I said, wow. The first time around, you, you, you're just finding out where everything is. Now, you already know where things are. And you can focus and find what I missed the first time around. See, what I love about the Word of God is that it grows with you. you if you catch this, man, you, your reading will never be the same again. You, you could read a simple story about a wedding. And depending on where you are in your stage in life, there will be something there for you. The word grows with you. You could walk away saying, wow, Jesus went to a wedding with his disciples. That was so nice. Right? Like, man, Jesus was nice. That was nice for him to go. I'm sure he got a lot of things to do. I'm sure his life was very busy. I'm sure, you know, but he went to the wedding. You know, that, that, and you could say, that was really nice. And then you could say, man, they had a problem. They ran out of wine. Jesus loved them so much. He didn't want them to be embarrassed or disgraced. He loved them so much. He made wine from water. And you could say, man, you know, wow, that, wow, God, God provides for his people. And you could walk away from that story and you say, wow, when we invite him to share with us, he cares for us. And that would be great, wouldn't it? 
Great. You read, you got something from the story. Tell somebody there's something more. See, because another time you come to this story and you already know, you know, what, what happens and you know where everything is. So now you get to focus and find what you missed the first time around. You see how that works? And so this time you realize, wow, this was Jesus' first miracle. You realize that's, this was the first miracle recorded in the Word of God that he starts his public ministry with. Now, you have to really think about that. You say, man, he could have risen somebody from the dead. And people would have believed and been amazed. He could have opened blind eyes. He could have opened deaf ears. He could have, he, he could have spoken prophetic words to somebody and, and break down all their laundry and tell them all about themselves like he did later on to other people. He could have done all these things and people would have been amazed and they would have believed. He could have caused the lame to walk. He could have walked on water himself and everyone would have been amazed. But the first miracle he comes out with, the first sign of who he is, he turns water to wine at a wedding. Did you ever think about that? The first thing he comes out with, he turns water to wine at a wedding. And so this time you walk away from the word knowing that, wow, the first sign that he performed was a sign of conversion. The first miracle was about taking something that was common, water, and making it something that was of value. Something of great worth. And, and this time you walk away and you say, Wow, Jesus not only provides for his people, he not only cares for us when we share with him, he's the God who calls that things that aren't as if they were. And you say, God, he, he's the God that adds value to the valueless. He takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. You see, that first miracle was a, was a miracle of conversion. He takes the ordinary, that's a dollar bottle of, of water, and makes it something of value. That's a $400 bottle of wine. It's shop right. I'm, I'm just, you know, for the illustration. Come on, just play along with me. So it's a dollar bottle of water and a $400 bottle of wine. You, you understand? He takes the common and makes it valuable. You understand? He adds value. The first miracle was about adding value to the valueless. But there's even something more. Tell somebody there's something more. Now, perhaps you come across this story sometime later. And before you even walk into the store this time, you stop right at the entrance. And you realize right in the beginning, John 2, 1, it says the miracle happened on the third day. And so you read at the end of the passage that after he turned the water to wine, his glory was revealed and his disciples believed. And so this time you say, wow, Jesus, the, Jesus was giving us a picture of what was going to happen later. Jesus was later crucified. He died. And on the third day, his glory was revealed and people believed. Didn't it get deeper now? Do you see? Now you looked at it and you say, wow, it's a picture. It's a picture of what was going to happen later. <coughs> but there's something more even. Now you could go back to the same story again and discover the whole wedding. It's a picture of the church and what were Jesus and the disciples doing at this wedding. It's a picture of us being invited to the feast. Jesus is the groom. He's there. We've been invited. We're the bride. And the wine represents the blood that was provided for us so that we can be presented to the, to the groom. Amen? That doesn't seem to wow you as, as I thought it would. 
I mean, that's, do you understand? Like, it, it's a whole picture now. Now it's all symbolic. It's not even real. It did happen. It is a real story. But the deeper you get into it, it's like, wow, there's, there's still something more. Amen? You could come to this passage and you're at a different place in your spiritual walk. And you could look at the conversation between Mary and Jesus. This is what caused me the most trouble in this passage. Mary brings her concern and her need to Jesus. He, she says, there is no more wine. He says, woman, why do you involve me in this? What has that got to do with me? And, and what does she say? She doesn't respond back to him. The next thing she says, she speaks to the servants and she says, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. How many, do you see something missing in that conversation? Jesus says, what does that have to do with me? Why do you involve me with this? It's not my time. And I'm not saying that he said it angry like that. I'm just, that's just me. I get excited. He says, what has that to do with me? Woman, that, why do you involve me with this? It's not my time. She doesn't even respond to that. She says, listen, whatever the man tells you to do, just do it. Man, I, I must have read a thousand commentaries on this. And the best I could come up with. We could say that she brought her need to Jesus and she left it with him. She was accessing kingdom provision. She was accessing what she knew that he had. See, she, she knew that if she left it with Jesus, whatever he chose to do or not do, whenever he chose to do it, it would be the right thing at the right time. All that was needed was that we do whatever he says. Listen, there is nothing written in scripture that, that, we could, that we could have any reason to believe that she had ever seen him do any miracles. Right? That I don't think that, you know, she, she was at home one day and he was playing Lego and he was just going like this and Legos were building. and You would imagine like Jesus did different, I don't know. Right? Or you would imagine that, you know, he was playing Xbox and he didn't even have to touch the controller. He just... He just willed it and we all lost. Right? And, but but there's, no, there's nothing in the text that tells us she ever saw him do any kind of miracle this way. But she was accessing a kingdom principle. She believed that he could do something about it and she trusted that he would. Church, when are we going to bring our stuff to God and leave it there? And just do what he says to do. Amen? Verse 6 says, there is no wine, but they had six jars that were used for ceremonial washing. Listen, this was part of the Jewish law. Part of the law meant they had to wash their hands before a meal, wash their hands during a meal, wash their hands after a meal. It, it was part of the Jewish law. They had to do this. And so, obviously, they'd done it a bunch of times because these jugs are empty. And, and so, th this is what they had to do. Now, Jesus says, take what you have and use it. Oh, get this, please. Jesus says, take what you have and use it. Fill the jars that you use for cleansing with water. Notice this, all throughout the Word, God uses what we have. And He, he takes what you have, and He makes miracles with it. Amen? 
Moses had a rod. The widow had a little oil. David had a slingshot. The boy had a little fish and a little bread. Peter had a little boldness. Joseph and Daniel had a little character. Saul had the wrong name and a misplaced passion. What do you have today? Where is your little and are you willing to offer it up? Where is your boldness and are you willing to have it tested? Where is your passion and are you willing to have it redirected? See, when God wants to make something more, he, when He wants to give people something more, He almost always uses the cooperation of men to make it happen. I don't know why. I mean, He could have filled the pots Himself, Right? I mean, trust me, if it was one of our pastors, we, we would have done it because we get the glory, right? See, he could, we would have said, watch this, you know, and fill the, you know. And, but, but Jesus just said, fill the pots. And, and, and listen, he, he involves them in the miracle. He tells the servants to fill the pots. Please hear this. He tells the servants to fill the pots, not the ministers. He tells the servants, not the priests. He tells the servants, not those in full-time ministry. Not those anointed, not those out of Bible school, not those with credentials, not those ordained. He tells the servants to fill the pots. Come on, you got to get this. Now, these servants have undoubtedly filled these pots many times over. They've never seen anything different happen. But this time, they were going to be involved in the process, and they would see right before their eyes a miracle take place. They didn't make the miracle happen, but their obedience allowed them to share in the joy of the miracle. They could have protested. They could have said, you know, they, they, they could have said, man, you know, they, they, I'm not going to do that. They say, if I pass this water off to wine, I'm going to lose my job. I could lose my life if, if, I, if I try to tell this guy, look, here's wine. And I give him water, he'll spit it out and have my head cut off. Right? They could have protest, protested. They, you know, but instead it says they filled it to the rim. Did you catch that in the word? It says they filled it to the rim. Listen, this is the kind of thing when you obey halfway, you get half the blessing. When you obey all the way, you get the full blessing. Jesus' first miracle was more than just water to wine. It was a miracle of conversion from the old ways of the law, the ceremonial purification, the Jewish law, the old covenant. The the miracle was a picture of the old covenant being replaced with the new covenant. Moses turned water into blood, showing that the law results in death. Jesus turned water into wine, showing the gladness and joy of the new covenant. Do you see the bigger picture? You thought it was just a wedding. It's so much more. Then that's just the first part of John chapter 2. I'm halfway through the message. No, I'm kidding. Relax, relax. That's just the first part of John. But do you see that the more you take it and the more you squeeze, the more it comes out? It's like an infomercial, right? But wait, there's more. If you act right now, not only do you get the caring and the sharing, not only, but if you act right now, you also get the conversion. You also get the the miracle. But if you act right now, if you respond within the next 30 minutes, you also, you you understand, I'm not trying to make it corny, but, but... There's more, and the more you get from it, the more you squeeze from the same passage, the more you get. There's always something more. The Word of God grows with you. Let me close with this. (coughs) 
Listen, whether you've been here a little while, you're here for the first time today, you're just coming back after Easter, or you're lost somewhere between Easter and Mother's Day, I'm just glad that you came to the store today. I'm so glad that you came to look around, but there's something more. See, coming to church is important, but there's something more. Worship and fellowship and with like-minded people, it's important, it's vital, but there's something more. Reading your Bible is important, it is crucial, but there is something more. Listen, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is still giving us signs. And he's still performing miracles of conversion. So that his grace would be revealed and so that his disciples would believe. I was believing as I was preparing this that today there will be signs of conversion. I believe God showed me there were going to be miracles where blind eyes would be opened, where hard hearts would be softened, where God's grace would touch someone who up to this point might not have thought of themselves as having much value. They might have lived their lives up to this point not knowing how much He cares, how much He provides, how much He can call things that aren't as though they were. Listen, God showed me some of you have never even considered or called yourselves Christians. But today God is calling you out on that. Youth, young people. In our culture today to call yourself a Christian is man to label yourself in 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 a hard way. And that's not not just for the youth and the young people, that's, that's at our jobs, that's everywhere we go. The world has had such bad examples of Christianity. They've had such an ugly taste of Christianity, either from the stories that have been exposed and from what ministers have done, or either from their own experiences with churches, how they've been beaten and battered and abused. So to label yourself a Christian is a hard thing sometimes. But I believe God is calling you, calling you His today. I'm going to ask you to respond. If, if, that, if that's speaking to you, I know there's a couple here. If that is speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to just stand up. Just stand up. And if God is speaking to you and you've never considered yourself a Christian, or you've never called yourself a Christian, amen. God is calling you His today. Amen. 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 Come on, encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage them. Listen, to others, God is saying, I want to do things with you that are beyond your wildest dreams. You think you've had your share of wine, but you haven't drawn from from the jars that I blessed. The master of the banquet said, you have saved the best wine for last. Would you bring what you have today? And be part of the miracle that God wants to work in your lives. Would you come forward? Would you come forward? Listen, you might have thought of yourself up to this point as a dollar bottle of water. God is saying, you're a $400 bottle of wine. You are priceless. Come on, come forward. Come forward. We want to bless you. We want you to know. We want you to know, man, this whole service was for you. This whole message was for you. God wants to tell you there is something more. 
There's something more that's in you. There's something more that a value that you have. There's more worth that you have that you didn't know that you had. Come on, come forward, come forward. Some of you could be saying, listen, all I have is six empty pots. Six is the number of men. I mean, I mean, we could just get deeper and deeper and just keep going. Listen, all I have is six empty pots. Would you stand today and bring your empty pots to God today? Come on. Would you stand and bring those... Bring your emptiness. Bring, bring your hurt. All I got is pain. All I got is anger. All I have is hurt. All I have is abuse. God said, would you just come and leave it with me? Come leave it with me and trust that I'm going to do the right thing at the right time. Come on. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Don't wait. Pastor Gary, I want you to come up in a minute. Come on. Come on. There's a new wine that's waiting. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.centuaryfellowship.org. God bless.